Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 8th, 2011. For newcomers, help yourself to the audios which are there for free download at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Hopefully you'll understand better at least this massively deceptive, huge, incredible system uh, that is reality, uh, something the media steers you away from, and so does your education too, mind you. But uh, I give you shortcuts understanding the big superstructure of a system of interlacing corporations and foundations, which are big fronts for the non-governmental organizations, which is the new Soviet system, by the way. That's what it means. They're ruled by councils. That's your new democracy. That's what they mean at the top when they call it democracy. So it's a selected NGOs funded by the foundations to basically lobby governments, and the governments are only too happy to say, oh, thanks for coming and sign into law on behalf of all the people. That's your new democracy, the new super-Soviet. But it's hand-in-glove, of course, with the super-fascists because the fascists set it up in the first place. It's been here a long time, that this, this dialectic, the two sides, you see, actually for many, many, many centuries. So help yourself to the audios and you may get an understanding of how it all really works together and why the ordinary folk never get ahead in any way at all. It's quite simple, really. And we've all been brainwashed, as I say, from our parents and from their indoctrination and their parents as well. Passes down, just indoctrinate one generation and they'll indoctrinate their own children into saying, this is my country, this is, I've got rights, etc. All of that stuff that makes you work and slave and pay taxes and, and send your, your children off to war to fight for corporations. That's the reality of this world. It's always been this way. It really has. It's just that they had better propaganda in the past and put more movies out about certain things. Now, Remember, two year audience that bring me to you so you can help me just tickle along, hopefully, uh, by buying the books and discs I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. They're different books. You won't see them anywhere else. I try to show you how we've been hoodwinked from uh, if even thousands of years ago. Uh, governing masses of people is nothing new at all. It's called conology. That's what I call it, conology, the art of the con. And, uh, and the, the techniques of... Managing us all, millions and billions of people, has been known by psychopaths from very early times because these are the only ones who rise to the top in a system which comes along with money and commerce, etc. And out of that comes war, conflict, and they, they rise to the top through everything. So money is at the top of the tree. Everything else is subservient to it. And as I say, I try to show you how it's all done. And as I say, you can buy the books and discs, etc. From the US to Canada, you can order by personal check. You'll see how to do it on the CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com site. You can use an international postal money order, or you can use a PayPal to order. Use the donation button. It's, again, it's all explained on the com site how to do that. Donations are certainly welcome because nobody's really uh, sending much my way at all these days, 
and it's maybe a sign of the times, it's maybe a sign that folk are just got more lazy, they've all got their, their super iPhones, the latest models and all the usual stuff, and they're signed into God knows how many contracts for different kinds of electronic entertainment. So that's maybe just the way it's going to go. I came out originally because I knew before 9-11 what was going to happen. I mean, reading the books by the big boys, watching the globalism and all the efforts. I'd read the CFR stuff about the countries they would love to take out, along with the New American Century Group, and long before that even. So it's not hard to, to see how the plan works and how we're living through a script. Every generation has its purpose. And believe you me, once we've all served our purpose, they have no problem in bumping you off. They don't like to have useless eaters around. They like productive slaves. And uh, that's what we've been for an awful, awful long time. And I'll be back with more on this after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix and it's just astonishing to see how we've all been indoctrinated and brainwashed from a very early age and uh, we, ad- we adapt and adopt the attitudes of our parents and those around us and if they didn't know what was going on and they're happy and having their weekend parties, the usual stuff, watching television, then there was nothing much to pass on. Everyone thought this was real reality, that's all there is to it. And we get the, the posturing of politicians once in a while and lots of media about their speeches, etc. And the booze and, and the, the accolades and so on. You know, you know how the thing goes. It's, it's turned out every day for us to just soak up and go back to sleep on. But that's really just the front because the big plans are made in think tanks. The big plans for the future are always made in think tanks. And we've had this system for an awful, awful long time where... The big banking boys that manage the foundations, with their thousands of non-governmental organizations, full-time, full-time staff, all written off on taxes, uh, they actually help to run the world. They're called soft power by the United Nations. The hard power, of course, is the military. But the soft power are the ones who are always advocating the next move on changing, radically altering society. That's the whole agenda. They also get funding from you because you're the taxpayer and uh, as long as they can they, they sign on for radical change in society, which is an agenda too, it's the same as the Communist Manifesto by the way, uh, then they get their funding from government grants as well. But most folk don't know, we float through life and most people don't even know what's really going on, how things really work. And of course, uh, that really all government is, is, is a, a lobbying place for the lobbyists to meet with the guys who have their hands in the cookie jar and they can distribute your money to them to get big projects done. But it's, it's interesting how they always repeat the same systems over and over when times get tough. And you find during the 20s and 30s, and then eventually FDR got in, and he did something awfully similar. He was even congratulated by Stalin because he says you're doing the same thing we're doing. That was putting people back to work on the roads and forestry, make work projects, you see, which is awful communistic. And uh, and you find the same things happening in the U.S. as the last of its tax money is soaked up uh, to fight other people's wars and to 
to basically rebuild the infrastructure across the, all these conquered countries uh, and build brand new refineries for all the ones that demolish. Uh, and then they hand it over to the private sector for nothing, basically gifts. Uh, you understand this is a slavery system. And it's always been there. Now, in a slavery system, you can get a lot, a lot of happy slaves. And I heard Bill Cooper an awful long time ago, years ago, talking about that too. He says, a lot of folk will love socialism. The ones who don't want to think about the bigger problems. The ones who don't, don't want to really know what's going on. They're happy in the cocoon of the little environment and the little circle around them of people they know. And routine. You know, go to the pub every Friday and you meet so-and-so on Saturday for a card game and that kind of stuff. So that's how most folk really live. And the other ones who are trying to get ahead, uh, the ones who have fallen for the carrot, the middle classes who are racing for it, uh, of course, they're demolished almost too, not just with higher taxation, uh, not only with foreign competition, but also they're demolished because they can't even keep a family together since they're both working sometimes 12 hours a day, trying to get up the ladder to be important and get the cash. And all those who play by the rules and get some cash lose it all when the banks decide to pull the plug and, and crash you and repossess your homes. You can't win in this system. See, it's not for you. I've talked many times about the psychopaths and over the years, and one of the first talks I did about them, I said, see, you're living in their system. You are living in their system, not your system, their system. And it's been like that for thousands of years. At one time, an awful long time ago, little tribes or, or clans could, could kill off someone who got too big for their boots, especially before they had a monetary system. Once you got a monetary system, of course, and you can always hire the crass ones at the bottom to be your bodyguards or your, or your Praetorian guard. They'll protect you. And then you can get an army and go off conquering people. And that's really been the, the, the state of the world since money came in at the same time as the psychopaths took off, now, now that they got what they wanted. Without that, of course, it was easy to get rid of them. And every tribe did. Even North Americans used to just kick them out. And, and that was them. They, they were shunned. They couldn't get back into the tribe. Or they'd kill them. That, that's what, the same in Africa too. And I'm sure the same everywhere else. Unfortunately for the monetary system, as I say, the guy can, can come in, he can manage the money for you eventually. He knows how to act. He's often charismatic, uh, charismatic, and he can charm most people because he studied you like a beast or a predator studies its prey. And he knows, he doesn't, doesn't feel what you feel, but he knows how you would act and what expressions you put on your face with grief, happiness, all these kind of things. And that's how the psychopaths operate. It's interesting to read about the, the, the present-day psychopath. Pretty well, everyone at the top is a, a modern psychopath. Other ones in the lower end of the totem pole that help the system have copied uh, the, the psychopath, basically. They, they admire them, in a sense. They admire power, more power than they have themselves. And they, they despise those beneath them. So they're junior psychopaths, you might say. We also have, unfortunately, like it was said during the American uh, riots in New York back in 1800s, uh, when the mayor of New York says you can always hire half the poor to kill the other half. With, with money, that's a truism uh, that's always been with us since the same money came along, and it, and it hasn't changed. Today, of course, we have academia and psychology. We have anthropologists and zoologists and all these characters working together to manage our psyche 
and give us and upgrade the culture to suit themselves at the top, not to suit the ones at the bottom. But I've done an awful great job in my time because I've watched the IQ plummet. I've watched cultures plummet from all classes, including the the working classes. Just, Just plummet with what they were fed, especially through television and what came out of Hollywood. Step by step, they kept push, pushing the envelope. And then I found out that the, the censor departments that you have to, to manage your culture, to make sure you're not seriously harmed by something that might upset the children, it, it belongs to the international censors department for entertainment. And the international censors are not there to protect you at all. That They're there to see if the culture is degraded enough to push the envelope even further to the next step of degradation. And that's really how it is. It's really how it is. Now, getting back to FDR, make work projects here. Here it comes again. It's bad enough when you get soaked, you see, uh, with so much taxes paying for your factories to move off to China, which has happened over the years. There's nothing left at home in most countries, Canada and the States. And we paid for them, their transportation over of their tooling and everything else, and they're setting up in China. That was all done through the World Trade Organization. Our tax money paid them. Government lobbied the corporations to move. And what a deal. Because once we went off to China, they weren't going to get any taxes for paying taxes for about 20 years or 15 or 20 years, which could be renewed for another extended period. So who's going to refuse that kind of uh, uh, deal, eh? So they all moved off, and we're still giving money to China as though it was a third world country, even though they've got more billionaires than any other country on the planet now. But anyway, getting back to make work projects, that's what we're left with here as we finish off the last few countries in the Middle East for the big boys, the bankers, who own all the big corporations, by the way. And they own General Electric and all the military-industrial complex, and we're paying for it all now. President Barack Obama talked at his news conference Monday about creating a national infrastructure bank that could help rebuild and repair America's roads, bridges, and ports, and also address a serious unemployment problem. Well, have you watched what America's... You know how many bases they have across the world? There's hundreds of them. They build the roads. They build small cities, basically. All high-tech, all modern stuff. Well, they let the country back home rot. He cited the bank as one crucial way to stimulate the economy. That's going to be a private bank again, based on debt and uh, and interest and compound interest. And then it'll be the public input to bail them out too. And he says, I would urge the president to move forward on this so we can begin to restore America's infrastructure and strengthen our economy for the long term. So it says, um, even as Congress debates fiscal strategies, our countries, competitors and partners around the globe make massive investments in public infrastructure, as long as you paint the roads green. Meanwhile, our nation's roads and bridges, schools, hospitals, airports and railways, ports and dams, water lines, air con- control systems are rapidly and dangerously deteriorating. Like I've just noticed this. It's been this for 20, 30 years. In Canada, it's just the same. Says his five years ago, former Senator uh, Warren Rudman and and I co-chaired a commission on public infrastructure at the Centre for Strategic and International Studies, another private uh, think tank, you see, and rich work for rich people, a bipartisan group of congressional and business leaders, governors, and bankers that unanimously unanimously recommended an, an infrastructure bank and called for a capital budget. 
yet these proposals were and perhaps still are unable to gain political traction. So they're pushing again uh, ahead with the same darn deal. They say China, India and European nations are spending the equivalent of hundreds of billions of dollars on efficient public transportation, energy and water system. Now China is still being funded. The US is still paying for hospitals to get built in China. Well, they're changing the hospital systems back home. They've already changed a lot of it and the insurance system too. India, same thing, because India is, is again an emerging nation. That means the world, the UN and the World Trade Organization will match with your tax money dollar for dollar, sometimes 10 or 20 to 1, any one dollar that you invest in, in, in places like India and China. That's what they're not telling you in this article here, you see. Just here in the U.S., a five-year investment of $2.2 trillion is needed simply to make U.S. infrastructure dependable and safe, according to the American Society of Civil Engineers. So this is, again, a make-work project and uh, another banking con and more authority over the public when they privatize it after your tax money builds roads. Back with more after this break. Hi, I'm back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I put that link up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and I'll also put up uh, a link from the CFR as well on the same topic because it comes from foreign relations, you understand. It runs everything. That's the big society that you have to be in to get into any think tank, to get into any top level of government or bureaucracy uh, across the U.S., Canada, even parts of Latin America. And, of course, in Britain, you have to belong to the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Same group, only different name. And that's really how the way it's, it's run. They run all the think tanks, all the media. They even print your, the books that their children read for history to make sure they get the right version of history, where they omit their own manipulation of the events in history. But uh, that's life, isn't it? And just next to this article here's here's a statement here it's a statement itself in the headline a dream job Martin Luther King statue with made in China label how's that eh? how's that an American bricklayers union is calling on the Obama administration to deny visas to a group of Chinese workers selected to travel to Washington this fall to assemble a sculpture on the National Mall in order of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This morning, members of the local bricklayers and allied crafts workers union lifted the Martin Luther King Memorial Foundation offices in downtown Washington, telling commuters that outsourcing the project to China and denying U.S. workers the opportunity to contribute to the monument during a time of high unemployment is wrong, wrong, wrong. Scott Garvin, president of the local one, uh, questioned why the government would pass over the same group of workers that have worked on virtually every other project on the National Mall. With the record of China on human rights and the fact that we have such high unemployment in the U.S., we're wondering why, Garvin asked, we want to let the public to be aware of the problems of this particular memorial and hopefully we can get some of our United States citizens working on the project. It's made in, made in China. What does that tell you? It's not a surprise, but what does it really tell you? Okay? It's just astonishing. Interesting, too, that Martin Luther's wife got an awful lot of money given to her because they couldn't go ahead with the statue until uh, until she signed a document and agreed that uh, she'd let them copy his likeness. So everybody's in it for the big cash, eh? Everybody gets into it for the big cash. 
Now, there's there's um, uh, Mike from Chicago on the line there. I should take him now. He's been hanging on for a little while. Are you there, Mike? Yes. Let me ask you what you were saying in the beginning. You were talking about a happy slave. Uh, I remember a quote from Harriet Tubman. She said that uh, she could have she could have freed a million a million slaves if only they knew they were slaves. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, I just want to add that. But I do have a question about history as far as the Haitian Revolution. And I remember you talking about uh, how Freemasons like to start revolutions. And um, a uh, uh, Saint Louverture was one of the leaders, as you know, um, for the uh, Haitian Revolution. And I'm, and I'm wondering whether he may have been a Mason or uh, maybe a high Mason because I know he traveled uh, to France a lot. Yeah. And possibly, possibly he was probably in the Sisters Lodge with uh, Ben Ben Franklin. Yeah. And um, also Simon Bolivar was a Mason, and he also uh, recruited Haitian soldiers to uh, help free um, Central and uh, the northern part of uh, Latin America. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, what can you say about that? It's easy, actually. Uh, if you go into modern masonry is interesting in, in that they talk about uh, the fact that, that members must um, agree to always uphold the, 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 the system that, that you're born into now, this present system. Doesn't matter what state it's in, you, you, you must agree to that. Uh, however, they started off as a revolutionary force, and that's well documented, uh, to overthrow the old systems to bring in the new system, which at that time didn't quite call it democracy in all the countries, but it was, had this flair of having rights. We always fall for it when people claim they're going to give us rights. Now, they really installed their own people, understand? They already knew who they'd install as leaders, and the same with the banking systems that we're all under. Uh, they, they brought them in too. Uh, it's a front. The world is run by fronts. Same with communism. In the, the U.S. alone, there are were, were over 500, uh, or some of them have 900 communist front registered movements, including Christian churches who are conned, uh, it, it belonging to com- They're all getting used for the communist front. And it's the same thing with masonry, because masonry was heavily involved, always has been, in revolutions for change. And before it was called masonry, too, uh, you, you'll find the same thing was happening in the Rosicrucian era as well. Uh, so you, you understand it was to bring in, under the guise of freeing people, a new system which was ultimately enslaved them even better, uh, without them knowing it initially. Eventually they should wake up and know it. But when the British troops went off, for instance, in the 1700s, and they were in India, and then they were, of course, in, in Americas, uh, but in India, they wrote back and said they were astonished. A lot of the ordinary troops were astonished to find all these Masonic lodges throughout India. They thought they were the only ones that had them back in Britain, you know. But they had them on every town in India. So this was an already established system international before uh, they went off creating the empire of Britain. It was already there, of course, when Holland was, was the, the empire for trade. And you see that the same thing is in, in Africa too. Uh, South Africa, uh, I got a letter just the other day from a guy who, who's white in South Africa, and they're getting heavily penalized. Now, he's, he sells stuff at a stand just to make a living. And... Uh, he, he, he was getting his wife in from another country, and he couldn't get any answers from the guys at the top. 
until he, he, he wrote off and copied what I said. It's no help for a widow's son. He got her into the country right away immediately. They're all masons that run South Africa too. But hold on, back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, so we're back cutting through the matrix and talking to Mike, who's talking about Haiti and, uh, and what happened, etc. Now there's no doubt about it, even the Masons themselves will tell you in their own books that every structure, every system that man creates will eventually become corrupt. And that includes their own, of course. The difference with today, greed is so paramount over everything that all the high Masonic lodges are involved in, in high corruption. I put a link up to a video, it was done in Britain, and it was documenting the corruption from the lodges, where crooks were mixing with, with chiefs of police uh, and running con- whole, whole cities down there. Even with the CID in London involved, they ran prostitution rackets and everything. I mean, this, this was, these are all guys who met together at the lodge and divvied up all the cash that you could get, just like the mafia, uh, and split it amongst themselves. And then in the, there's a Duke of Kent, the head of the English lodge, uh, standing up for them all because they must always stand up for a mason is not broken a masonic rule by fleecing the public in fact it, it, it's a it's a statute in, uh, uh, from them uh, and even pike talks about this in his book morals and dogma uh, that the people really um, are, are there for the fleecing is is, is a, a person or people who won't think for in, and for themselves and do for themselves are meat on the table and beasts of burden by choice and consent. That's legalities there. So they, that's how they see the public. And the higher up the, de- degree, the degrees they go, um, they will actually, uh, I may even link up tonight, you'll hear a 30-second degree mason if I can find it, talking about this. They start to get brainwashed too until they look down on the ordinary people as, as cattle, basically, for the, for the use of. And so masonry is, in, is involved in all aspects of taking over power. And that was often used as a, our, our system will be better than anything that's come before. That's what they used to tell them. Uh, Robert Burns in Scotland, who was a poet at the time, um, gave his all for the Masonic Lodge, and they turned out and gave him sweet damn doll at the end when he was dying of tuberculosis. But So, so they're, they're hypocrites as well. But they'll use people, and uh, people I've known who've been in the high lodges too, and who have left it, uh, they've left it because... The guise is that you're all equal, but it's not, it's, it's absolute rubbish. There are higher lodges and aristocratic lodges, etc., that are anything but equal with the ones at the bottom. They'll turn up for the occasional, um, do with them and mix with ordinary people, but, uh, they really are, it's really a, a royal system, you might say, from the top to the bottom, you know. Well, uh, Alan. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think, um, was the point for letting Yes. Uh, well, I guess was it, what was the point for the Freemasons? Uh, I guess uh, letting you know the slaves and Haiti, you know, receive their I guess so-called independence. Um, you know, when um, even Thomas Jefferson said he said uh, we can't let this happen, even, and they sent troops to Haiti to mm-hmm. you know not let even the British troops uh, went there so uh, they could you know settle down the, the revolution revolt. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard to say, although the leaders themselves in Haiti, uh, you're still allowed, allowed so much leeway, and I'm sure there were many arguments in the lodge between the two different sides and different factions, but uh, it seemed that they kind of won out for a while. But did they really win out for a while? Because you understand that there's a, a society in this world at the top of masonry that never forgets. And if it takes a century to come back on you, they'll take a century before they'll hit you. Or 200 years even. But they never forget. You know. And that's something to always... See, we think so in such short lifespans, we want immediate revenge. But believe you me, there's a society here that's very, very old on this planet that, that uh, uh, never forgets. It's a paramount. You never forget. And it might take you 50, 100, 200 years, but you'll come back and swipe them. And those who control history think in these terms, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Alan White. Um, thank you for answering my question. And thanks for calling. And it's the same, too, if you look into the, the book My Life by Trotsky. Um, he also wrote up in his own book uh, that he said that he joined the Masons in Russia and he was so enthralled by them that he was in, in the, the process of completing a, a whole set on basically revolutionary Freemasonry uh, when, of course, he was eventually assassinated by one of Stalin's men. But uh, he, he also said, too, when he was escorted out of the, the Soviet Union, uh, it says his guards crossing the borders didn't have to show any passports, anything. They all used Masonic signs. It's a whole different world in free upper, higher masonry than you ever imagine. They run your, your cities, towns, uh, the handouts from the tax money to, to your local uh, builders, road builders, construction guys, all these things all comes from the public purse. They're always in charge of it. Schools, everything. That's, that's how the system really is. And in Canada, uh, two or three years ago, or maybe a few years ago now, the, the, some of the Indians in Ontario, they burnt, burnt down the home of their chief because the chief was a high mason and he was pocketing the cash and splitting it with fellow masons. It was due to come to the Indians from the government. And then you go into the history of Freemasonry. Joseph Brandt was one of the first Indian masons they created in, in the Americas. And when they had the war between the U.S. and uh, Canada, Brandt split the, the, the tribes, the, the five or seven tribes into two, told half of them to fight for the Americans and half of them to fight for British. So that's how they work. They, they play both sides of the game. That's standard in all these conflicts down through time. Play both sides of the game. So um, you understand it's, you're dealing here with societies that almost everybody that you hear of at the top is in. They belong to it. In fact, all of them belong to one of the organizations. They can't live without it. You can't get up there without it. It just doesn't happen. Now, there's uh, Dennis from Michigan there as well. Are you there, Dennis? Greetings. Hello. Alan. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm about a third of the way through Tragedy and Hope. I'm thinking, pondering Tragedy and Hope, too. Yeah. Do, do you think they'll waste their time? Well, not. Do you think they'll put it in a, uh, the media form will be a book? Oh yeah, if I, I'll tell you one thing, I mean I've almost killed myself over these last few years just doing this. And, um, uh, and to be honest with you too, uh, this is a seven day a week job. It doesn't end after this broadcast. I mean I work all day long. I sort through hundreds and hundreds of stories to find even four or five that, are, that have any true meaning in them at all. 
and uh, and I, I answer a lot of people's um, emails, etc. And then I'm busy phoning different people at the weekends. So it's just a matter of getting it all out. And I'm swithering now where to do it or just pack it in right now because the cash isn't coming in. So I get I get hundreds of letters every week uh, and emails from people across the whole planet telling me to keep going. It's fantastic. Change their lives, all the rest of it. And But they all admit that they're broke. The ones that listen. And, and that's the problem. I'm not selling T-shirts. I'm not hyping things up. I'm not giving them an answer either because I would I'd refuse ever to say your answer lies to go back into politics. Right. Because politics is a tower of Babel. It's so crooked and taped up and, and super glued together, you can't fix something that was corrupt to begin with. Um, I, I've been listening to you for, I don't know how many, three, four years. I listened to these other guys. I'm not going to mention names, but they made me crazy. Uh, you fixed that. Um, I've corresponded with you before. I'm going to uh, send you some DV homemade DVDs tomorrow. I'm going to post office, uh, get a international postal money order for people listening. I've done that before. I haven't had any problem with it, and uh, I urge people just an idea. I'm sending you $100 uh, to get all through your books. It's just a little bit more. I'm not rich or anything, but just an idea for people, even if you don't read. Do what I'm doing and give them to three different people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. you, you have a good night and say hi to Amish for me if you get a chance. I will do, yeah. Well, thanks for calling. But, but that's true. It's, uh, it's, um, people think you just come on here. Uh, no one looks up my stories for me and puts it on a, a board for me. i just I got to do it all myself. And there's hundreds of, of great-sounding titles to look at the stories, and it's just the usual rubbish or, or, or spin or... or disinformation or misinformation but it's all meant to guide you along the path of coming back into the folds and and just vote for someone and it'll all change etc uh, this has been here for an awful long time this corruption and it's not going to change even if uh, uh, some superhuman could by some miracle get into power he'd literally have to hire a private army uh, of his own that he knew well and going to hiding until he resorted everything out because he'd be assassinated so fast if he was genuine. The bankers have done, they hold the country in a vice. And it's always, it's been like that from, from the, 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 even before they created the, the Federal Reserve. But much worse since. Now there's Dave from the UK hanging on to you there, Dave. Hello, Dave. Yes. Hi. How are you? Not so bad, yeah. Hi. Um, at the moment, um, you know, like they talk, they're talking um, about the conflict in Libya. I just want to men- um, talk about that a little bit. That, like we, we, like from our perspective, Libya was like, you know, we we praise Gaddafi for what Gaddafi did with um, Libya, but Gaddafi was a Freemason and. He was a globalist. He was an African globalist. Yeah. And to be honest, I'd see that, that that was really picking off one of their kind of lower, uh, lesser psychopathic kind of elites, if you know what I'm saying. He, he, was, yeah. he wasn't the kind of opposition that we, we thought, if, if, you know, like you saw people like Cynthia McKinney and others that kind of, even yeah. Louis Farrakhan, the head of the Nation of Islam and all these kind of organizations. Mm-hmm. They looked at that man and said, "This man is is, in, is trying to um, resist, you know what I'm saying, the whole yeah. global 
thing, but he sent his son to London to, to study global governance and all of that. So I have to admit that that even even Saddam Hussein was kind of part of it as well to a certain degree. You know, he was he was a, he was a Freemason. True. And I know I just wanted to think, but what's your thought about that? You know, like there's these conflicts that occur, but they're actually not in necessarily what we think they are. You know what I'm. You know what I mean? Yeah, this year, well, actually, they never are. <laughs> because we're, it's so amazing that uh, the people before have tried to get a unified Africa for, for Africans. And there are so many vested interests from, again, the psychopaths who run in each different area uh, that it's hard to ever get them to cooperate in any level of success. And um, we know, too, that... Gaddafi and uh, Saddam Hussein were, were, were put in there initially. Again, you've always got the CIA backing. Personally, I, I hate seeing the CIA because you'll find that the CIA, uh, the Mossad, uh, MI6, uh, and a few other ones from Europe, uh, they're all one. They're really all one. You cannot have a separate organization today because it would be infiltrated so fast by someone joining, climbing the ranks, and for someone else. This has been happening forever. So they created one big organization. We still use the different terms. So they have a different agenda uh, than what you would think is a nationalist agenda for your own people. They've always, since World War II, the CIA and MI6 have always been in the global business. And their prime job initially, like MI5 too, and they've admitted this at one point, some of the people who were in it, uh, was to look after the high uh, monetary interests in their countries, but also to bring it into a global structure. And to, for a future that they wanted to bring in, it wasn't to be all peace and harmony. It was to use conflict to, to bring it all in and to eradicate the old. The old also included dictatorships, and that's where actually Gaddafi was quite correct uh, when he said that the, the, the Western powers had broken the treaties of the United Nations, that is true because when the United Nations was set up and it had all its charters and treaties out there, uh, they, they said they'd bring anybody into it, any leader or government into it, uh, regardless of the type of government or religion or whatever, and that was to be the law. They broke it with Gaddafi uh, because they call him a dictator and wanted to just get rid of them and bring in this farce of democracy. You understand under uh, Gaddafi, though, uh, the people were living far better in Libya than any other African country. Uh, they, had, they, had a, they didn't have the debt of other countries or even the Western countries. And um, th- there was a, a good middle class there. Um, but we had all this outside agitation because there are globalists, and some call them Marxists as well, on the low end of the spectrum who play the other end of the stick for the same bird. There's two wings on the same bird, you understand? Uh, they, they want a globalist society um, where you can bring in a Marxist philosophy, which the bankers want, because it's the only way we have massive government checking on everyone for every second of every day, and no one can make a mistake or go wrong or take the wrong turn. You're watching them. That's why they work together, these two systems. And uh, and so they, they bring in all the, the color revolutions. They tr- bring in the mercenaries. They trained a lot of them in a, a nearby country for, for years before they invaded Libya, while the ones inside where the color revolutions were infiltrating the universities and agitating a generation of students. So that's how it is done, because they want to bring a co- something, something called a common system across the world. A standard central bank is vital for them. Private bank, owned by the same 
private bankers who own the central banks everywhere else in the world. And so that, that means getting rid of the, the present dictators. It means uh, throwing out the old Islamic law, which says you can't use usury, obviously, and then getting a population, just like the West, who think they're free, getting them all competing against each other to get a lower, middle, and upper class. And then you can tax the blazes out of them. And then again, they'll be in the same arena with everyone else, with a central bank bailing out other countries because their government have signed treaties with them, just like the EU, just like the US, Canada, and so on. So it's a standardized system across the world, and they're going after the last few countries. And just to show you how far back they go, you have to go back into at least, you'll find this is a new American century group. They published a list of countries they wanted to take out in 92, republished it in 98 and updated it with Wolfowitz. And then Obama took over the same agenda that Bush left. It's the same bunch running the show. Yeah. They're, in, they're in Somalia right now as well. That's, that's like we talk about yeah. Pakistan um, being kind of like a, 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 so, a so-called crypto war. That's, yes. I mean, they've obviously declared war in Pakistan, but they're definitely in Somalia. And at the, um, you see all this propaganda about the humanitarian, humanitarian, yeah. you know, it's just nonsense. It's like a, like a you know, Slogans, you know how Lenin talked about. Well, even even Richard Haas, and I read the article about a week ago, who's the head of the Council on Foreign Relations, who helped with their think tanks plan these strikes. By the way, um, he admitted uh, we used. He says we used the humanitarian uh, intervention as an excuse to get in. That's what he said. We used it as an excuse to get in. So, but but the next day in the papers, as though he had never spoken, they're back to the, the previous stuff where humanitarian and intervention. They can use this over and over again because the public um, the public can't remember anything, unfortunately. Yeah. It, what is? I mean, I don't know whether this is this is correct, but, but hold on, and I'll I'll talk about that when I come back. Yeah. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and talking to Dave from the UK. You still there, Dave, are you? Hi, 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 Alan. Yes. So, but did you want to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to ask one last question is, is there a possibility that the main countries they're using to finish off these countries, is there a possibility they basically don't manage it? And as, uh, if you read, uh, Arnold Toynbee talked about that they pass on, you know, it passed on from Britain to America, now from America to China. The China would become the poli- yeah. uh, world policeman. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'd do that if they'd fail, or if they failed to use America to ultimately finish off the last country that they said in... Oh, they're doing it regardless. Uh, I don't know if you know, on Tuesday, it's not in most media, on Tuesday, the NAFTA deal, North American Free Trade Agreement, it, it, they're having the next parts of the, the go-around, very important, because it's to be held in Chicago, and it says, um, we've already seen the Obama administration push hard for free trade agreements with Panama, South Korea, and Colombia, and the administration is making the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that's what it's called, a very high-priority membership in the NAFTA of the Pacific, as it's called, also includes Brunei, Chile, New Zealand, and Singapore. The United States, Australia, Peru, Malaysia, and Vietnam are scheduled to join too. Canada, 
um, Japan, South Korea are also reportedly considering membership. So that's a done deal, actually. So you're looking at the massive amalgamation of, again, this specific rim block that uh, the Council on Foreign Relations uh, talked about back in the 1920s. First Europe and then the Pacific region. And we are lumped in with the Pacific and we've got to compete with the cheapest labor on the planet, including China as well. This is impossible, as you know. That's only part of the agenda. They're not telling you what happens after that when you can't compete. <laughs> you know? So, um, basically, um, they're going to use America, mainly America, and the NATO, basically, and they'll just use them and just finish to just finish off these handful of countries: Iran, Syria, North Korea. And once that's finished, I don't know what kind of time scale. I don't. I think it's it's very high. It feels very. Well, well there's an article I read from the military magazine, the main one, the American military. It was, it's called Perpetual War, constant conflict, constant conflict. We're in for constant conflicts for the rest of your life, probably. And never mind policing those countries for 40 years. They admitted that when they first went into Iraq, and. Uh, so it's constant conflict and a perpetual war. At home as well, by the way, is a hammer us into a new society again. Uh, that's why you have a massive police state built up to take care of the, the, the riots, which must ensue as we, we go down and we bring up these other countries. Uh, so that's the agenda. Uh, we're already seeing the, the stirrings of riots with hyperinflation. Whether they like it or not, it's hyper. Just for this folk on fixed incomes, it can't. Uh, keep up with 30% uh, inflation every year. So, and, Ca- and Canada has just um, renewed its terrorism bill uh, under uh, Mr. Harper. So, uh, we're, we're basically in a giant police prison state until all of this is over. We probably won't live to see the end of it, you know. But, that, but that's really what they've got planned, yeah. yeah. Not a very good future for, for mankind. Const- constant conflict, that's what's called constant conflict. And the rest of their meetings at the top think tanks are how to manage the public as we all go down into austerity, which means poverty. That's why they've been building a police state for over 25 years, quietly through different uh, multi-jurisdictional task forces, cops, military working together in every of these major countries. But thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.